Hello and welcome to Mending the Gap, your guide to women's mental health research. My name is Catherine Saunders and I will be your host. I'm a third year PhD student at the section of women's mental health at King's College London. In each episode, I'll be sitting down with the researchers themselves who are working to mend the gender gap in mental health research. our final episode of the season, I am taking you to the inaugural International Violence and Abuse Mental Health Network meeting. This new network aims to provide a space for violence researchers in low and middle income countries to share their findings, apply for funding and collaborate. Please be aware that sensitive topics such as domestic violence and human trafficking are discussed in detail in this episode. To begin, let's hear from some of the researchers who presented their work on the day, to tell us a bit about their backgrounds and their research. My name is Abigail Bentley. I've been doing a PhD at the Institute for Global Health at University College London. Um, And I have been looking at violence within the family against women, so perpetrated not only by husbands but also by in-laws, and its association with mental health outcomes. So I was working in informal settlement areas of Mumbai, in India, Um, And I was looking at things like how different types of violence are associated with poor mental health. So I looked in much more detail at emotional violence and economic violence. And then I was also looking at how women respond to and cope with violence in these settings. What generally happens is when when we assess violence with these standardised tools, they tend to be quite short and the questions tend to be quite generic. And so we tried to develop a questionnaire that was a bit more detailed and looked at really sort of culturally relevant expressions of violence. So that was really interesting and it's, it's work that's been highlighted as important but it's not been done very much in this setting. So that was mainly what I focused on. What we found was emotional violence was reported um, the most by women in these settings and more so because we assessed it in more detail. Um, that the in-laws were very sort of heavily implicated in perpetrating emotional and economic violence and the partner more so physical and sexual violence. And that all types of violence are associated with poor mental health but we think that emotional violence is maybe one of the most important factors there. Olivia Narada from Uganda. I work as a researcher with Butavika National Referral Hospital, Mm -hmm. which is located in the heart of Uganda in Kampala, which is the capital city. So the research I presented today was um, a research under the prime study, which mainly focused uh, focused on the finding other prevalence and risk factors for maternal mental disorders and our major interest here was depression and alcoholism disorders but specifically for my presentation today focused on depression in pregnancy. So what we found is that um, the prevalence of depression is increasing within the rural communities. Within our study it was reported at uh, approximately 12.7% and this was across the different demographics, across education, across ethnic group, across economic status. So mainly depression in pregnancy affects all kinds of women in the setting where we did the study from.
Okay, thank you very much. My name is Fikru. Uh, I'm from Somaliland. I work in Somaliland at Nada University, which is a, a private university. My educational background is uh, medical laboratory uh, and public health and masters. And today uh, I presented about the uh, knowledge attitude practice um, gender-based violence among children in Somaliland. This was like a part of big project uh, by Somaliland National Human Resource uh, Human Rights Commission, which is sponsored by Save the Children. My role in that big project is just for data analysis after they already collected the data. Then, uh, in order to present for this uh, meeting, just uh, I get some verbal consent. Then today I presented some of the key findings and also the challenges related to that study. I am a doctoral researcher. I'm based out of Sangat, which is an NGO in India. And I also spend some, time, some of my time in Oxford Brookes University, where I'm currently doing my PhD focusing on addictions. Uh, my main areas of interest are gender-based violence and addictions. And I've been working in this space since the past um, three years. But I've been working in the space of global mental health since the past seven years overall. So uh, today I uh, presented our work from India, uh, which we have been doing in collaboration with a number of groups uh, in South Asia as well as the UK. It's an NIHR-funded project, uh, NIHR-GHRG, which is a global health research group. It's led by Professor David Osrin, who's based out of UCL. And the work that I spoke about is the work that we're doing in Sangat, the research NGO in Goa. The focus of the work is to develop a psychosocial intervention that addresses the mental health burden of uh, gender-based violence, especially in women survivors uh, in India, in Afghanistan and Sri Lanka. The methods are quite varied across these different uh, country settings, but in India at the moment uh, we are using mixed methods framework, which is we began with qualitative data, collecting qualitative data from survivors, from service providers, also in, in some time uh, from perpetrators as well. We mapped the evidence base by conducting a systematic review and also a realist review which is in the pipeline and followed by a distillation process where we are selecting components from uh, evidence-based interventions to then use uh, to see their applicability in the local setting. We're also conducting theory of change workshops uh, in India and the next steps are to develop the intervention package uh, by triangulating data from all of these methods and then testing that in a feasibility trial. I'm Leisha Kiss, I'm an associate professor at University College of London. Uh, I presented today a study that we conducted a few years ago on trafficking, exploitation and abuse in the sub-Mekong region in Vietnam, Cambodia and Thailand. It was at the time the largest quantitative research with people who were identified as victims of trafficking. It it was a very interesting project because we needed buying from the different governments of these three countries 
to conduct the research and then we needed to select services that were quite diverse because we were looking into including women, men, children. It was very interesting, the study itself. The data was collected by social service workers, case workers who were working in this post-trafficking assistance service and interviews were conducted two weeks after they were rescued or escaped from a trafficking situation or were intercepted while in transit. The prevalence that we encountered from violence, mental health, they were really high and this study allowed us to understand a bit better the phenomenon or at least what we call the tip of the iceberg of the phenomenon, the people who are actually identified as trafficking. When we do population surveys, we find out that in some regions a lot more people than the experience who experience human trafficking go through life without ever hearing about that word. As with so much research in this field, there are clear challenges. First, we hear from Fikru, who outlines the challenges that he and his team faced. The challenges is very culturally and also related to religion. It's a more sensitive issue when you talk about gender-based violence. In children as well as in adults, if we talk about an adult like intimate partner violence, it's also very sensitive culturally. And also in children, also they are not like encouraged to tell frankly about the incidents of this uh, abuse and so on. And also there is also some uh, misunderstanding about the, uh, what exactly gender-based violence means. That's also a main challenge. And uh, in order to this relation, when it comes to study of such uh, gender-based violence, it becomes like difficult to get like real feeling of a real situation, a real magnitude of this gender-based violence because of this challenge in barrier in communication and also less trained number of uh, researchers and also there is no environment that encouraged to do research, even in the universities. So that was the main challenge that uh, I faced. Similarly, Olivia described culture as a key challenge when researching violence in Uganda. barrier is culture because um, where I come from it's not okay to, this is considered a family matter so how do you get a woman to open up about sexual violence to open up about emotional violence to open up about physical violence this is something that I've grown up observing something that they think is normal so it seems like an intrusion into privacy and family matters so that was the biggest barrier is getting women to open up feel comfortable enough to share because the questionnaires not only ask who did it how many times it's like you're asking them to relieve the pain once again through the study so that was a big barrier but we managed to get through it the researchers that we used were mainly psychologists and counselors so these have a little bit of experience in how to identify how to manage and how to get people to open up but then also during the study we made sure that the Questions were asked in a private place and in a place where the woman or the young woman felt comfortable to talk, open up, and immediate counseling was offered for women that were identified with depression. It was on spot counseling. Yeah.
We next hear from Abigail, who found that talking to participants about mental health was a real challenge for her study. So I think interestingly in the qualitative research, women were very, seemed relatively comfortable talking about their experiences of violence. But when we asked them to talk about mental health, it was much more difficult um, for them. And there's lots of discussions about why that might be, but often there are different sort of cultural expressions of distress and idioms of distress. And so initially that was a bit of um, a barrier when we were doing our qualitative research when we had to sort of amend how we asked about mental health in the in the interviews with women. It was clear from talking to the researchers and organisers of this inaugural meeting that this was an important step in bringing together the global community of violence researchers. First, we hear from Avita, who tells us about how she found this first network meeting. Um, to be honest, I am absolutely enjoying meeting other people, like-minded people who are interested in this work. Um, I enter this space quite recently, in the past two, three years. Uh, it is very um, fulfilling and rewarding to see other people who are equally or even more interested um, in gender-based violence research in low-income countries like India. Um, I think this network, um, the meeting in itself, was a fantastic opportunity to just to get to know about what, what work is happening in other countries. Lydia also describes the importance of the global landscape of this research but also how it could be beneficial to learn from each other and build on what's already been done in other contexts. I think it's really exciting to see the different types of research and interests interest that um, are shared among us, but also particularities of each context and each research piece. For me, the benefit of it is to share really what people are doing. So I'm interested in intervention development. I would love to know better what kind of interventions have been tried in different contexts. How was the implementation theories of change for these interventions? What went wrong? What went right? What would people change in the next trial of these interventions? to learn and be able to apply that to the context where I work or to expand existing projects to roll out to different countries and regions. Finally, we hear from Olivia. She talks about the importance of understanding the parallels between violence research in high-income countries and low- and middle-income countries and the opportunities that this brings. Uh, it's really interesting. First of all, it's my first time in UK and London, so it was really exciting to be here in the first place, but also to meet all these different researchers. As a person from a low-income country, you would think the situation is different in UK, but it was interesting to hear the different researchers and understanding and hearing that even women this side are facing the same challenges as women in the rural communities. So this gives opportunity for joint effort to kind of come up with interventions that cut across countries, cut across nations and all that. And um, it also broadens your thinking, like 
what next there are these problems we've identified this so what next so it has opened up opportunities for collaborations opportunities for learning opportunities for sharing and i believe the sky is the limit from here onwards yeah so there we have it our final episode of season one giving you a flavor of women's mental health research being conducted globally Thank you so much to all the presenters for sitting down and talking with me, and also to Roxanne Kanajad for inviting me to the network meeting. As the network is in its infancy, I don't have a website or Twitter account to direct you to just yet, but keep an eye on our Twitter for updates. As always, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, resources for support are available in the show notes. For one final time this season... Please do rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MendTheGapPod and join the conversation using hashtag MendingTheGap. We'll be back with a brand new episode and a brand new season in 2020. Thank you for listening. Listening.